Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. In episode 9. I will be discussing the two big college games from this past Tuesday night. I will also be discussing the 76ers and their good play a month into the season and also their treatment of Jaleel Okafor. I will give my take on Alonzo Ball's early struggles and recap the exciting early season matchup between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. Can the Celtics really come out the East and challenge the Warriors? Coming up next on the Off the Glass podcast. This is the Off the Glass Podcast, bringing a fresh, thought-provoking, intelligent perspective to the game of basketball. As always, I'm your host, Z. Thanks for joining me today. And before we jump into today's show, I just want to give a shout-out, give a thanks to a few of my listeners. Um, I see I have some listeners in Germany, some listeners in Canada, those here in the United States and mainly in the Chicagoland area who have been supporting your boy. Thank you. Most appreciated. Let's keep this thing going. But as I stated in the intro, we're going to jump right into it, discussing Tuesday's night, big games between the four blue blue blood uh, programs in, in college basketball in the opening matchup that they had down in Chicago here at the United Center. Duke was able to survive Michigan State 88-81, to and in the nightcap, Kansas was able to beat Kentucky 65-61, two very con- contested games. Um Played pretty well, uh, a lot of energy, the things you kind of expect early in college season. You had a lot of top prospects on the floor. I want to say you had a, a potential about 16 draft picks combined in the, in the two games, and even one didn't even play at all at Kansas. He's being held out as they, again, investigate what kind of car he was driving and who gave him the car. Just, just this silly hypocrisy that goes on with the NCAA Turner, NCAA, but – um, the first game saw Grayson Allen, the lone senior for Duke, uh, score a career-high 37 points. I was also impressed with the point guard. They, they have uh, Trayvon Duvall, who I believe was number six in this past year's class. I believe he was the number one rated point guard. Had very solid play, very calm head, very cool. Um, I know he's going to get better as the season goes on. and He did a fantastic job really setting up Allen, as Allen obviously had the high hand. Um, the story from this game, though, was that Marvin Bagley III, who's projected, projected to be the number one or number two pick in this year's coming up draft, did not play in the second half. He got inadvertently hit in the eye. Uh, I don't think it's anything too serious, but they wanted to hold him out as a precaution. So Duke was able to win this game even without him, and he already had – he was on his way to a double-double. I believe he had like eight points to eight rebounds by halftime. Uh, what stood out to me, Michigan State, is, again, they're going to give you that tough defense, that grittiness. Um, a senior team mixed with some some young players. Uh, of course, everybody's eyes was on Miles Bridges, who played pretty solid. But for him and for Michigan State to do great things this year, he's going to have to be more aggressive. He's going to have to use that, that athleticism. He's going to have to get some shots up. He's going to have to look to score and be selfish. 
And then if he doesn't have the shot, then look to me make plays. But again, this was early in the season, probably just trying to fill things out, fill out his new teammates, and um, hopefully he'll pick it up from there because I really like him as a prospect. And I think they can really do some great things this year, but they're going to have to lean on the back of him. Um, the freshman, though, from Michigan State, to me, was probably one of the prospects that stood out the most in the two games, and that was Jaron Jackson Jr., who was a big, who can stretch the floor. He was able to knock down some threes with a, a nice, interesting-looking knuckleball shot, but he was able to stretch the floor. He was a, a really good rebounder in this, game, in this game. He blocked some shots. He ran the floor, had a lot of energy. I think he really did some well, did some some good things for his stock as a possible one-and-done one guy um, coming out this coming season. Moving right on along to the Kansas-Kentucky game, again, a closely played game. Kansas had the experience at point guard and Graham, who's a senior. Uh, they had Malik Newman coming back. Uh, what I noticed, though, was that they have a center, a seven-footer in Azabuki, who was able to dominate down the stretch. I mean, Kentucky had absolutely no answer for him. So with the solid guard play from Newman, who's a, a prospect, and Graham, who's a prospect, you put in Azabuki, um, the the other other uh, kid that they get back, hopefully they get back from suspension. I should have wrote his name down. I can't. Re- I thought I would be able to remember, but I can't remember his name right now. Um, Kansas is going to be scary this year. They're definitely a Final Four type team, a team that can win the national championship. Kentucky, very talented as usual. We already know how Calipari recruits, but they look young, which is no surprise because the team is completely revamped after he lost his last crop of one and done guys, but. The guy that stood out was the guy Knox, the the guard, and he needs to be the primary scorer and let Diallo kind of plug in the gaps from there at point guard. And um, with the size that they have on the inside and the athleticism, Kentucky could make a, a title run too just based on their talent alone. It's just going to be interesting to see how Kyle is able to jail the young players because um, one thing about Kyle, he can recruit, but I never really liked him as a big X and O's guy. So it's going to be interesting to see how he gets the best out of the talent on this team because this is a very, very talented team. All the guards, the wings have nice size, and like I said, they have really nice size on the inside. So it's going to be interesting to see how he's able to gel uh, all this talent and get them to play up to their potential. Now we're going to switch gears, moving right along to the NBA and the story of the season so far, or I should say the revelation of the season has been no other than the Philadelphia 76ers. And due to the exciting play of their two young uh, stars in the making in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, most recently Embiid just hung 46, 17 points, I mean 17 rebounds, excuse me, seven assists and seven blocks on the L.A. Lakers. And then in the in the postgame interview, he said he's only 69% in shape. And I know they've been saying that because he hasn't, really played much basketball in the last three years, but that he's not even in shape and he's putting up these kind of numbers. And the game was just to watch him play. I was good to see him finally get that balance that I was talking about in other podcasts because he's so super talented that sometimes as talented bigs do, they kind of want to drift on the on the perimeter. They want to do a lot of ball handling, which he did a little bit in this game. I mean, he had a couple turnovers where he was trying to do a little too much with the dribble, but by and large, I mean, he was able to Euro step around defenders. He had a nice move in the post when he put Julius Randle in the spin cycle with the Akeem Olajuwon fakes. He had the face-up jump shot going on Lopez. He even scored on uh, Bogut. So it was it was impressive to see him score because they have two legit 
seven footers over there in LA. And then he, anytime they put anybody smaller on him, he took him right down into the post. He was able to hit the the trail three, as as Marv Albert says. He was just showing the full entire repertoire on display in that game last night. And then Ben Simmons came right along and had his another solid game. And he's already averaging 17 points, nine rebounds, and seven and a half assists. He's having a historic season. I mean, we haven't seen this type of production put up since like the, the likes of Oscar Robinson, the great Big O himself. And Simmons' talent just his feel for the game just jumps right off the off the screen. I haven't seen a guy really dominate the game without a jump shot like this, a consistent jump shot, probably since Jason Kidd. Now, I know we remember the Jason Kidd, and I believe he's third all-time in three-pointers made, but that was towards the tail end of his career. When Jason Kidd came out, he was known as somebody that couldn't shoot. I mean, it was a, a joke. It was a corny joke, but they were saying how they need to take the J out of his name because he don't have a jump, a jump shot. But to watch how Simmons at 6'10", they, they literally have him playing point guard. Like, he's listed at point guard. He's not a point forward. The way he's able to see the floor, his vision, the things he does, even though he know he can't shoot, it was a play one time on the wing when him and or Embiid ran a pick and roll and they couldn't quite get the switch. So he started backing down the smaller defender who was on him. It might have been Alonzo Ball because I think this was early in the game. But you can tell that Simmons really had no intentions of shooting his ball. What he was trying to do – will suck the defense in weak side to make them double and kick it out for an open three, and that's exactly what he did on that play. And it's just little plays like that, it's a little awareness on the court with him being such a long, young player, to me only bowls well for him going forward and barring some other crazy injury. I mean, he's on pace to be a superstar, a Hall of Famer, and I, I definitely believe in him and MB can can stay healthy. I mean, this is nothing that hasn't been said before. This is not rocket science. I mean, the 76ers really have something going here. The only thing interesting that's going to be going long-term is how the personalities gel and mesh. Embiid, obviously, very outgoing. Simmons, super reserved, just kind of likes to come to work, do his business, and go about his day. It's going to be interesting to see how they how they gel. But so far, I mean, a month in, they're off to a, a great start. They're already over 500. This is something they haven't been at this point in the season in years. I'm not going to even try to pull up the statistic. I don't remember. Um I was just impressed. They run great offensive sets, the way they move the ball. J.J. Redick has really brought some some uh, reliability more, besides just Robert Covington out on the, on the perimeter, being able to shoot the three and stretch the floor and spread it. And then, you know, the, the pickup of Sarge, you know, the drafting of Sarge has been huge. He's able to step out and shoot the three and stretch the floor and go to the basket. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk lately. How much credit does Sam Hinkie get for – you know, for the process, you know, I, I think he gets all the credit. And I, and this is why I say that even though he has some some misses in, uh, you know, they already traded New Orleans Noel. They traded Mark, Mark, Michael Carter Williams. But by and large, I mean, he he executed the plan to, to, to the T. He was given the freedom. He was given the permission to go ahead and bot, bottom out the team. So, you know, the fact that he was allowed to do that and stockpile picks um, and able to get a Simmons and Embiid, they was able to find a Sarge, they got a Covington, even somebody like TJ McConnell is playing well and contributing. Um, you got to give them credit for doing that. I, I will say I thought some of the drafting, far as drafting all the bigs, um, kind of put them in a tough situation as far as assets. And, um, you know, that brings me to the next point is their treatment of Okafor. Now, with all their success early on as an organization, as a team, the way they treated Okafor has been absolutely disgusting. It's been poor, uh, been very unprofessional. 
this is a gentleman who's not had a you know a tough rookie season. You know, he got into the fight. You know, they questioned his work ethic, whether he wanted to really be a great one and being in shape. And, you know, he took heed to all the criticism. He came in this summer. He was in fantastic shape. Yeah, he announced that he was a, a vegetarian, possibly a vegan, but you know, the fact of the matter is that he was taking his diet serious. You know, he really wanted to play. And for them not to give him any minutes while they look to trade him is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you mean to tell me he can't give you anything better than what Amir Johnson is giving you? Just the way they've handled that has just been terrible for that young man and on his career. And um I, I hope that he's still working hard. He's still staying focused. So when he gets to his next team, he'll be able to step in and contribute right away. I mean, because it makes absolutely no sense. If you're trying to trade somebody by you're not playing them, all you're doing is devaluing uh, the asset. It makes no sense at all. So hopefully, like I said, the young man is keeping his head in the game. He's staying focused. He's supporting his teammates. He's coming to practice. He's staying after practice. He's putting the work in that he needs to put in so he can continue to go on and at the least feeling and have a successful career. Oh, real quick, too, this news, they were able to sign uh, the swing player, the wing player, Robert Covington, to a four-year, $64 million deal this week. Congratulations to that brother. Um, came in, really wasn't uh, drafted high, played on, a, on, a, on a, a low salary, and for him to continue to bust his butt, work hard, and get this kind of contract and be the player that – and turn into the player that he's become, nothing but my hats off and salute to that young man. I mean, he gives them – He's shooting the ball very well from the floor this year. I think coming into the Lakers game, I saw a stat on ESPN that he's actually made more three-pointers three than Steph Curry this year. And he's not just a, a three-and-D guy that's that's a, a, a decent-sized wing player. Like, he has really nice size. He can guard some fours, which allows them to play different types of lineups, which is really effective. I mean, they come out, they start him, they start Redick. They start Simmons at the point. They have Sarge and then Embiid. So they have a really, really solid starting starting five. And like I said, barring some kind of crazy injury, because, you know, we have to watch the health of Embiid. Um, Simmons has only really been playing professional basketball for about a month and a half. So, But barring something crazy or fluky happening, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Sixers are in the playoffs as that 7 or 8 seed in the East, which would be a huge success, a huge step for them going forward in that franchise in that city. In the nightcap uh, tonight on Thursday night, as I record this, um, we had two exciting games on TNT. Oh, scratch that. I'm sorry. <laughs> one exciting game. Well, we'll say one and a half because I don't know what Phoenix was doing tonight. But uh, we saw the early season matchup of Boston versus Golden State. And Boston was able to survive a very tough, well-contested, well-defended game uh, by a score of 92-88. And Immediately what I walked away with thinking, and I was watching this through the whole game, and the question kept coming up in the, the telecast and inside the NBA afterwards, you know, is Boston for real? Can they beat Golden State? Can they beat Cleveland? And ultimately I came, I didn't want to use too much emotion, but I will say this. I was impressed with the defense that the Celtics played last night. And I even posted this on Facebook, you know, on my on my page which, you know, plug Zach Ramey, follow me on Facebook, like the links, you know, all that good stuff. But I was able to um, to watch them, and then I even said on, on Facebook, I just want to, you know, pull up my my status real quick. Um, I said, okay, Boston is a great defensive team. 
I love their coach. Kyrie is the real deal. No question about that. With that being said, the NBA is not the NCAA tournament. Because I saw on Facebook and even on Twitter, a lot of people felt like Boston now is a real championship contender. And I, th I think they're one season away, obviously, because of the Gordon Haywood injury. But I go on to say that this is not the NCAA tournament, barring some injury. They are not beating LeBron or the Warriors four times in a series. Next year, yes, once they get Haywood back. Until then, just enjoy the team and the growth and the development of their young players, which I think is really, really key. Because the I said this the night when I did the preview after Haywood got hurt. I said, of course, this is a terrible injury. But sometimes out of, out of bad situations, you can get good things. And one of the good things I thought was that this meant more minutes for the rookie Tatum. And it gave Jalen Brown more opportunity to extend and grow his game. Even though I knew he was probably already going to start at the two-guard two position. Meaning he was going to play a major role in the team's success this coming season. But... With one less uh, star on the court, that meant more opportunity and mainly more shots, especially for Tatum. And that's has been what's really been great this season to see. And I stated this, how polished Tatum was as a pro on the offensive end. But the fact that uh, Brad Stevens was is able to get them to buy in and play this kind of defense um, is a testament to him. But also I think it's a testament to the players themselves in the locker room. And as I, as I stated going forward, I thought they were going to be fine because they had very strong veteran leadership in the locker room. And I, I wasn't necessarily concerned about the leadership talk involving Kyrie Irving because I knew you had Al Horford in there. You had other uh, veterans. They added an Aaron Baines, which is, has solidified their bench as far as defensively coming in the game. And um, they had they weren't like they had all young players. I mean, Marcus Smart has a few years under his belt now. So I knew they brought in the Morris twins and the, one of the Morris twins and the Avery Bradley trade. So I knew that the locker room was going to be strong. And with them playing defense like that, I mean, statistically, as they stand right now, they are the best defense in the NBA. Like, it's not even close. And that was on full display last night because through most of the game, all the way through the fourth quarter, the game was in the 70s. I mean, it finished out 92-88, but Golden State really had a tough time um, scoring the ball. Um, Stephen Clay was 5 for 20 from three and a combined 8 for 32 from the field. Now, down the stretch of the fourth quarter, a lot of those threes was rushed, so that's going to kind of skew the stats a little bit because they were just getting shots up. But also, though, I think it's a it shows the kind of defense they was playing because their rhythm was off the whole game. They never really got into a good, comfortable rhythm, and that's one thing that great defense does. It it gets your rhythm off. It gets you rushing things. Your sets are not as clean. You know, they also were in, in foul trouble. Steph had four fouls. They were turning the ball over, which is one of the pet peeves for a great team that Golden State does. I mean, they, they're definitely a great team, but I've never seen a great team turn the ball over the way they do. I'll have to go back and, you know, really kind of look at some of the great teams and the stats. But that's one thing, the glaring thing that disturbs me and things that cost them games is when they start throwing the ball around like it's a bomb and, playing hot potato and just make being really loose with it, especially sometimes it starts with stuff. Um, that's how they were able to blow a 17-point lead, also led by Jalen Brown's great, inspiring play in the third quarter. He was able to knock down some threes, get some layups that really helped trim that game back and get it back in closing distance for the fourth quarter. And, you know, he was doing all this and inspired um, by the late uh, passing of his friend, which they found we found out – later after the game in the press conference that he lost his best friend the night before. And he didn't want to elaborate on uh, how his friend actually passed. But, you know, just 
something I could say as a black male, it just seems way too often that, you know, it's almost like in a way you wear it with a badge of honor sometimes when you talk that, you know, at least all of us have lost somebody um, young. In a lot of cases, it's often in the violent um, form. You know, I, I lost my my best friend uh, uh, been three years this past, you know, this November. And um, and Isaac Thomas, you know, uh, rest in peace to Zeke, man. And, um, you know, it's just really something that happens way too often. And I'm not saying this is what happened to this young man, but, you know, it's just something that, you know, we need to do better. If it was something that happened tragically far as something violently, man, we – we got to clean up this violence, man. We all know what's going on here in Chicago, but not just here in Chicago, Baltimore, Philly, Detroit, all these urban areas, Atlanta, where um, New Orleans, New York, L.A., Oakland, you know, where we have these huge um, black populations, Houston, you know, just we got to get it together, man. We're, we're killing each other off at a, at a, at a fast pace. It's scary. Um, we're killing each other for absolutely no reason. And um, I didn't want to get off on that tangent, but... Wouldn't be remiss to say if I didn't say rest in peace to Jalen Brown's friend, prayers to uh, his friend's family, Jalen Brown, and his family as they deal with this awful tragedy. But back to the game, they were able to close out the fourth quarter by putting the ball in Kyrie's hands. Ironically, he was in full Isaiah Thomas mode as he scored on, I believe, uh, 13 of his 16 points in the fourth quarter going to the free throw line. And I know, and I was one of the people that tweeted it out, that was kind of a phantom call at the end of the game, but I will say this, you know, when you're being aggressive and you're going to the basket, sometimes you put the onus and the pressure on the referee to make that call, and a lot of times you get that call in the NBA, especially when you're a superstar. But I will also say this, just using perspective, I'm not somebody that really complains about refs. I don't think they decide outcomes of games per se. Like, I don't think that's the reason why Golden State really lost that game. I mean, they really were turning the ball over. I'll just say this, sometimes it doesn't help when you have inconsistent refereeing. And I know they have a lot of young referees in the league this year. I've talked about this, but we're going to have to be patient and watch them, them grow up and learn and, and adapt to the speed of the game because the refereeing has been terrible this year. It's been inconsistent. It's been up and down. And that was an example of that call right there where he didn't get touched. You know, they didn't follow him. And um, I know on Twitter I saw somebody, I, I want to say it was, Coach Nick over at B-Ball Breakdown that, you know, maybe it was a good thing because Horford would have had to rebound, got a layup anyway. But, you know, you never know. And, you know, you never want to put the game in the ref's hands anyway. And I remember coaches always saying that as a player. So if you play well, you don't turn the ball over, you don't have to worry about trying to rely on getting every single call down the stretch. So um, that's not the reason why Golden State won. But I, I did want to mention that the refereeing has been, has been terrible this season. So – it was a good, hard, contested game. It definitely had that playoff atmosphere early in the season. They don't match up again until January, so there's going to be some adjustments made. Golden State's going to make some adjustments, but I will say this. Um, it's going to make the playoffs interesting this year, Boston, because defense does win championships in a way. You know, you got to have a pretty solid defense, especially if you're if you struggle to score offensively. I'm not saying they struggle offensively because they do shoot the three well, but one thing that history has shown us, sometimes when you shoot the three, you do have those cold nights, and that's when something like a top-ranked defense um, can really, really bail you out and get you some wins. But like I ultimately say, ultimately, I just don't think they have enough bullets in the chamber to de defeat LeBron four times, not just with LeBron, the way he's playing this season. Now, hopefully he doesn't burn out. He, 
he's going to have to start pacing himself. And I know they have some injuries over there at Cleveland, which is causing him to play more minutes than normal. But he's definitely going to have to pace himself. But he's definitely having an MVP type season as he tries to become the first player in his in their 15th season to win a most valuable player award. Um, so, but with that being said, Boston, really exciting team, could finish with the best record in the East, but ultimately, I don't think they come out the East, and if they do come out the East, I don't think they beat Golden State in four games. Uh, speaking of defense, I also want to mention the the start that Portland is off to this season, and you know, we always knew with their backcourt they were going to have no problem scoring the ball. And Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum adding uh, Yurkic on offense has helped as he's a, a multi-talented, multi-dimensional big man who can stretch the floor, play inside, great passer. But his defense has been well. I've noticed that Damian Lillard's effort has been much better on defense, on, the, on especially on pick and rolls where he used to get swallowed up a lot. Um, so right now they're fourth overall in defense. And if they're able to continue that up with their offense, you know, Portland can really make some noise in the West this year. They might be a team that, depending on the matchups, you might look up and see that's in the Western Conference Finals. I don't think that's far-fetched at all. So just kind of wanted to give them some props on the defense they've been playing this year because it's always been the knock, especially Damian Lillard. And hopefully, can we get this brother into an all-star game this year? I mean, he was one of my preseason MVP candidates, and he's playing at an MVP-type level uh, even still. So can we please get him on an all-star game? I know the West is heavy in guards, but the type of season that he has, it should be rewarding. Hopefully he breaks through and makes his first all-star game. Um, just wanted to mention it real quick. The last game of the evening, as I stated, was uh, what I mistakenly said, that there was a, uh, two great games tonight. It was mainly one great team playing and one uh, could have easily been categorized as a G League team in the Phoenix Suns. And, Hopefully Phoenix gets it together. I don't. I think that's a great fr- franchise, good city, good weather. You know, they're always known for their world-renowned training staff there. But the players they have right now, this is just not going to get it done. Outside of Booker, I know they signed Warren long-term, and I'm not saying this because he's from, you know, Chicagoland area. I really like Tyler Eulis. I'm, I'm rooting for him. I hope he sticks. Um, but really after that, that, I don't like that roster at all. I don't like Marquise Chris. All he does is foul. Um, excuse me, I forgot because he didn't start. So I had turned the game off so quickly. Um, but Josh Jackson, too. I mean, the young fellow over there, he doesn't start. And that was kind of puzzling to me. But besides that, I don't like that team at all. I mean, Houston was able to hang 142 points last night. They could have scored 200. It's just one of those things where you just let your foot off the gas, you get your, your best player some rest. They scored 90 points at high, halftime. James Harden already had, I believe, 30 at least, if not 32 points uh, in the first half. He finished with 48. Chris Paul came back, looked well, uh, blended in well. And maybe him sitting out and maybe able to watch the offense from the sideline show how to pick his spots. Because one thing I did notice, one thing he was going to have to do because they weren't going to wait for him, he sped up his tempo, sped up his pace of play. He was getting the ball out of his hands. But when he did have the ball in his hands, he was doing great Chris Paul things, passing the ball. He was on his way to a triple-double at halftime. I believe he had eight points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Again, I didn't watch the second half. I don't like watching blowout basketball like that. It was clear that Houston was the, the more superior team. They definitely have one of the best offenses I've seen in the league. The only issue with them is when they get to the playoffs is sometimes their offense has a tendency, as we saw last year, to become very stagnant, very easy to guard when they play against uh, other great teams. 
So it's going to be interesting to see this season, like we always say, it seems like this season more than ever, we we just can't wait. We're, we're chomping at the bit to get to the playoffs because we want to see how some of these great teams are going to be able to match up. And we really want to see mainly, I know we're all rooting to see if anybody can really give Golden State a challenge this season, but don't want to overlook what San Antonio's doing down there. Aldridge is back to playing well. We don't want to overlook that. But that's the only thing that really concerns me about Houston is once they get into the playoffs, how is this offense going to continue to flow? Are they going to be able to get the quality shots and same type of baskets that they're getting now? So, again, just wanted to stop in this week, kind of recap the opening of college basketball. As they had their big two big games in, uh, in the, at the United Center here in Chicago. Um, wanted to recap the Golden State-Boston matchup since that was a – a premier matchup this week. And then just kind of wanted to weigh in real quick on the 76ers. Oh, real quick, I almost forgot. I did want to talk about Alonzo Ball. And I know it's been talked about to death. But me as a point guard, you know, I just kind of wanted to give that point guard perspective. And first, let me say, I I think the young man is very talented. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. The question becomes, does he become a great one in the Hall of Famer? It's going to depend on his attitude. Like my wife and my father-in-law always says, it's always about attitude. You know, I was somebody as a player that sometimes, you know, I should have been a little bit more aggressive. But I've never seen a player like him who all he is right now is a ball mover. He just gets the ball and just moves. He's not aggressive at all. He's lacking confidence, which is key. I don't care what level of basketball you're playing with. you got to play with confidence. The shot is not going in right now, and it might seem as a demotional source, but this is just me. If we were really concerned about the long-term career and future of this player, me personally, I would put ball down in the G League. Let him go down there, get used to the pace of play a little bit more, kind of slow things down, let him develop some confidence. And I'm not saying that there's any slouch players down in the G League, but because um, there are clearly some guys that can play in the G League that should be and will be in the NBA, especially now that they have these two-way contracts. But I just think he needs to kind of get away from the cameras, go down, get some confidence, you know, get get off the private jet, get back on the bus, play a little bit, and then come back up to the Lakers. Because to me, ultimately, that's what a developmental league should be doing anyway. Because right now, he he just doesn't look confident. He doesn't look ready to step in and be a starting point guard right now in the NBA. And I, I was concerned about his demeanor when I saw that last year in the NCAA tournament. I wasn't the only one. A lot of people was concerned when De'Aaron Fox just came at his head and he really just kind of seemed to wither and kind of back down and really wasn't aggressive, really didn't come back at Fox at all in that game. So I was already kind of cautious and nervous with that going into the season. But I was like, ah, you know, he's young. He has uh, – people sometimes have bad games. It was obvious that Fox had a lot to prove and it – it did. It helped his draft status tremendously, but it was something I did keep in the back of my mind as a red flag for him going forward. But overall, I, I think he's going to be a, a really good player. It just remains to see how good he's going to be because if he doesn't develop that kind of demeanor a little bit, that dog, that killer a little bit, um, he's going to have a tough time in this NBA, especially when you're not making shots and you're not playing with confidence. Already been said, love the passing, love the vision. And as Jason Kidd said, can we knock it off? He's not Jason Kidd. Only thing they have in common is being light-skinned. So let's knock that comparison off right now. It's an insult to Jason Kidd. And maybe that's just coming from a huge Jason Kidd fan. I mean, I had his name on the back of my my gym shoes when I was in eighth grade watching him play at Cal. But, you know, let's knock those comparisons off. So just wanted to weigh in on that real quick. 
That'll bring episode nine of the basketball, uh, the off the glass podcast off to a close. Uh, thanks for listening today. Make sure to follow me at ZJ at off the glass podcast. Go to Zach Ramey on Facebook. Click the links. Go ahead. Check out the blog. I posted one up talking about LeBron. Is he the greatest to ever play? I don't know. Maybe. Go ahead and read the blog. Tell me what you think. Like it, comment, comment. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to download. Head over to Spreaker at S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Subscribe, download, like the podcast. Make sure if, if I put it on Facebook, make sure to share that. Share that. Share it. Share it. Share it. I appreciate the likes, but I really need those, those shares. Let's get this out. Let's get this going. Let's build this, this platform up. Again, this is your host, Z. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. Peace. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.